This is a gift to private corporations that produce GMO seeds um, that also, by the way, are usually chemical companies, right? So they're producing right. seeds which will resist their chemicals that they will then pour on our crops and which will drain into our water and which will poison us. You're listening to Food Integrity Now with your host, Carol Gervais. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Food Integrity Now. I'm Carol Gervais. I'm your host today. And I'm here today with Zen Honeycutt of Moms Across America. We've had her on the show many times before, and you can find out more about her by going to momsacrossamerica.org. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Food Integrity Now. I'm here with Zen Honeycutt of Moms Across America. And we wanted to get her on the show today real quickly because they received word on Saturday about a ruling from the USDA regarding uh, GMOs and the regulation of GMOs. And Zen is here today to interpret what that means for us. So Zen, thanks for being on. Well, thank you, Carol, and thank you to all of your listeners. I appreciate it. You've been working on this for a very long time now. This has been something that we have really devoted our lives to, the awareness of what's going on in our food supply and the safety of our food supply. So this is a very serious issue for, for you personally and for many of us uh, listening. So thanks for giving me the opportunity to talk about what's happening. Yeah, and before we get started, I was just thinking a few minutes ago uh, that it doesn't seem like that long ago where we were all working on labeling. Yep. And look where we are now. And so let's get started. Let's talk about exactly what this means and what's your, your interpretation. And I know you've talked to other people and we'd love to just hear what this means. Yeah, great. Thank you, Carol. Well, this is a final ruling by APHIS, which is the Animal and Plant Health Inspection Service. It's a branch of the USDA. And according to the FDA, the USDA's, the APHIS uh, division, oversees the agricultural and environmental safety of planting and field testing of genetically engineered plants. So they're the ones that are responsible for the environmental safety of planting and field testing of genetically engineered plants. So they're supposed to oversee this. And, um, you know, they're supposed to oversee GMOs, essentially, because the EPA doesn't oversee the GMOs, they only oversee the pesticides and the chemicals, right? And the FDA says basically that the APHIS branch of the FDA are the ones that are responsible for overseeing GMOs. And apparently in this um, APHIS ruling, which, is, um, which just came out on Saturday, they say that they don't agree, apparently 21 times, uh, with nearly all of the disagreement directed towards the comments uh, calling for increased regulation from commenters, um, and many of them from the industry, by the way, I might add, that wanted the um, USDA to regulate GMOs due to the concern that trading partners overseas from other countries may not want to buy their products if we're, if our country, if our, you know, regulatory agencies are not regulating, right? Because you, you yeah. destroy trust in, in a 
a product if they're not regulating for safety and integrity. So many of them were also, you know, industry leaders. So they said that they don't agree 21 times. And um, if you'd like, I can go through some of the 13 points of, of what I pulled out were, were the most important, especially to consumers. Okay, that would be great. All right. So um, the first one is that the USDA, the APHIS, will only regulate GMOs for the plant pest risk. That means weediness. So this is a concept which is really unusual to most of us because most of us think that our regulatory agencies would regulate for the safety or the health impact of a plant, right? right? Is that corn going to be safe? Is it going to be healthy? Is it going to be toxic? You know what? No, no, no. They're only regulating for weediness, meaning will this plant weed, like, like be invasive? Will it crowd out other plants? Will it impact USDA agriculture? Will it negatively impact USDA, USDA, I mean, the agriculture? So that's the factor that it's looking at is whether or not it's a weedy type plant, which is very strange to me, but that's what they're concerned about as far as as agriculture goes. They also will regulate for movement, meaning transporting from one place to another, but that's it. No health or environmental impacts are being considered because they they see no reason to. Oh, that's insane. Yeah, it's insane. And number two, the genetic manipulation of RNA, I, CRISPR, or any gene editing will not be regulated. The off-target, yeah, the off-target mutations from gene editing will not be considered. And it's important for people to know that in preliminary studies, across the board in preliminary studies from the industry, Um, There have been shown to be hundreds, if not in some cases, thousands of off-target mutations from gene editing, meaning they're attempting to edit one place. Like, for instance, if somebody were to try to take one vertebrae out of your spine, right? Well, lo and behold, 15 other parts of your body, your muscles, your tendons, your ligaments, your nerves are all affected by removing that one, you know, that one vertebrae out of your spine. No big surprise but they some, for some reason expect it to be differently in gene editing. They remove one part and 1,500 other mutations happen and, and they're, they think that that's not of consequence. So the USDA is not going to be considering those off-target mm-hmm. mutations at all. And, and would you just explain real quickly the CRISPR technology because I, I know we've talked about it, but I want to make sure our listeners understand what that means. Yes. Well, again, I'm, I'm not a scientist, but my basic understanding of it is what I just sort of described to you is where they yeah. edit out one, they edit, it's, it's different from GMO, um, GMOs where the BT toxin, where they put in a pesticide, right? It's different from the Roundup Ready or the HT GMOs, which are herbicide tolerant, where they put in a resistance to, pest, uh, to herbicides, right? Like to Roundup. It's different in the sense that they're editing a, for a, um, a desired trait, I call it DT, a DT um, GMO. And so they can either take out part of a, um, the RNA, uh, you know, the chromosomes, or they can put in something, um, but they're basically usually snipping something out. And um, that could mean uh, the, 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 the ability for that plant to show browning, for instance, like a, the, the potatoes or mushrooms to show, to, to show the browning. Now it doesn't, take away that plant's ability to, to rot, 
which is an which is a symptom the, the browning is a symptom of the rotting right so it's still rotting you just don't see it oh god yeah so it's it crispr and crispr can also and gene editing can impact multi generations like they could they could edit a um uh, a mouse for or gene drives i'm sorry this might be gene drives they could edit uh, mice to only have blue eyes and every single offspring would ha would have blue eyes that type of thing so there's there's multi-generational um uh, effects to gene editing and it's again unpredictable uncontrollable uh unforeseeable what's going to happen with these and could wipe out you know entire species on the planet of a certain type of um insect or or plant or whatever we, we just don't we just don't know what the impact will be and so they're all they're not going to be regulating that they're only going to be regulating the dna the, the the genetic modification of dna not rna and not gene editing and even then it's voluntary which leads us to number three the entire process to apply for exclusion from regulation or to apply like say here we have a gmo that needs to be regulated we want to be upfront about it all of that is voluntary wow and doesn't we, need to have we know how that's going to go <laughs> yeah so it's self determine you know self determination of whether or not your product needs to be regulated um yeah really doesn't sound like a good idea to any of us no number four any genetically engineered genes um that are currently in the gene pool are exempt from regulations this includes existing genes let's just say from an unrelated species that's in a current gmo right and they could be used to create a new gmo so um any this anything that currently exists is is fine to use but again if there was anything new it's voluntary <laughs> to report it so um yeah that's their choice Number five, any consideration of whether a manipulation is or is not natural has been removed. The word natural has been stricken from regulation and replaced with known to occur. Oh just, my goodness. Just it, as long as it's known to occur. <laughs> That's pretty broad. Yeah, because, you know, formaldehyde is known to occur, you know, um, petroleum is known to occur i mean it, it's just it's that's so vague that it's based i mean this is basically a gift to gmo developers and to corporations saying here you've got carte blanche go ahead and do whatever you want well it makes sense because they wrote it basically yeah basically, basically. yeah so um for those companies who do choose to apply for an exemption for a ge product no field tests or experimental data is required wow none no so you can say hey my you know gmo is safe for this and safe for that but you don't have to apply you don't have to include any data in the application they'll accept it but you don't have to give any <laughs> again self-regulated self-regulating yep and number eight this is a real doozy the the plant-made pharmaceutical or industrial chemical um, producing plants, they're called PMPIs, shall only be regulated by permits for movement. No regulation of the safety or contamination risk of these plants, which contain pharmaceuticals or chemicals like insulin or growth hormone, hormones will be conducted. So they're currently growing plants 
And now I know why they're growing in greenhouses at the Monsanto campus, because they don't want to move them from Hawaii to Monsanto, right, to the United States. Because as soon as you move them, you have to report them, right? Yeah. So that's why they spent $5 million on these greenhouses so that they can you know, grow them and produce them in one location and test them and do their trials without having to move them. So no reporting needed. Um, and what they're doing is they're, they're producing, you know, corn or soy or different plants with insulin in it or growth hormones to treat dwarfism. And never mind if that plant gets out into the wild and all of a sudden animals are eating plants with growth hormones in them, right? Or yeah. birds are eating corn with insulin in it. Never mind what happens to them. That, that's not being regulated, the, the potential for contamination or health and safety. Uh, very, very disturbing. Number nine, APHIS has determined that they have not seen evidence in the scientific literature that there are unique hazards that arise solely from the use of recombinant DNA techniques as compared with more conventional plant breeding techniques. So this, this means that they have ignored the hundreds of studies showing harm from the consumption of genetically engineered foods in animal studies and the clinical studies showing harmful impacts on cells or other studies showing the production of toxins such as formaldehyde, putrazine, and cadaverine by GMO plants. They're just ignoring them. They're saying we don't see, we have not seen scientific evidence saying that these are harmful at all. Just like they uh, ignored all the comments about this uh, regulation of GMOs. Oh yeah, yeah. They're saying we how just we don't agree. How many of us? How many of us commented? I believe, I saw an email from Friends of the Earth today that said 6,900 something people commented just on this one particular issue. Yes. Um, there have been over 350,000 of us that commented on the glyphosate issue, which right. is intricately connected to GMOs because 80% of GMOs are engineered to withstand glyphosate. Yep. But, but the USDA doesn't care about that factor. They think that's a separate factor that, that chemicals related to GMOs um, are not under their purview. So they don't get regulated um, by, by APHIS. They're supposed to be regulated by the EPA, but we know, all know how that's going, <laughs> right? So right. that's not going anywhere. Um, all right, so, the, um, so number 10, if APHIS does not respond to an applicant for an exemption for their GE products within 180 days, they shall automatically receive an approval, the GMO company will automatically receive an approval within 180 days if, if APHIS doesn't respond to them. So that's, you know, that's just the GMO free-for-all. Just go ahead and do what you like. And they can say that they got an approval. They can't say it was like a de facto, right? Like a default approval. They'll just say they got an approval, <laughs> right? So number 11, micro, microbial pesticides, the new alternative to toxic chemicals, which are genetically altered microbes found in the soil, fungus, and other microbes, are, are not to be regulated by APHIS. So these are, these are what many of the GMO companies are turning to. They're moving away from toxic, well not, not entirely, but some of their funding, right, is moving away from toxic chemicals like glyphosate and towards these biopesticides. And I, when I say new, I don't mean brand new. They've been around for a while, but there's just more research going into them. And, um, but APHIS is saying uh, we won't, we're, we're not going to be responsible for regulating those. And I don't think that EP, the EPA is either, um, but for sure not, not the USDA, even though 
they go on our food. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's not surprising that they're moving more in this direction, just because of all the information on glyphosate and all the lawsuits. So now they're going to move to this direction. And it doesn't sound like there's going to be any regulation whatsoever. Right. Yes, exactly. And number 12, APHIS acknowledges that GE crops contaminate organic crops. However, they also state that the cost for protecting organic crops from contamination shall be resolved in the marketplace. In other words, that organic growers should recover that cost by charging consumers accordingly. Oh my goodness. So not by lawsuits or anything like that, but just pass that cost along to the consumers so that organic food can be really, really expensive. Yes. And, and we realize that, that that can, in most cases, price them out of the market and have their food rot on the grocery store shelves. Yep. Right? Because it's there next to a GMO tomato or GMO uh, potato that costs half the price because our tax dollars have already paid, contribute to, towards that. Yeah. You know, our tax dollars subsidize GMO farming. And, and so it looks cheaper on the grocery store shelves. Our tax dollars, for the most part, do not go to organic farming. So the yes. organic farmers have to pay more money and they have to have wider buffer zones, you know, to protect themselves from drift from GMO crops. And they have to, you know, report all of the chemicals that they use and all that. Like they have many, many more restrictions on what they have to do. And uh, so, so then all of that additional cost needs to be added onto the price of the food and we need to pay for it. So, you know, who's getting the short end of the stick here? The, the organic farmers and the consumers, not, not the GMO farmers, that's for sure. In fact, in number 13 says that the APHIS states that the cost reduction of this new updated regulation shall save a GMO developing company on average in the scenario of producing 10 new GMO plants a year, $13.1 million. Oh my goodness. So it basically this whole document is, like you said, it's great for the GMO makers. And, you know, they're going to save money poisoning us. Yes, absolutely. This is a gift to private corporations that produce GMO seeds um, that also, by the way, are usually chemical companies, right? So they're producing right. seeds which will resist their chemicals that they will then pour on our crops and which will drain into our water and uh, which will poison us and life on earth. And they get to go ahead and do all of that with fewer restrictions and fewer costs in order to, you know, develop and apply for these, these uh, permits, you know, to go ahead and do this. But it's all voluntary. So, you know, we don't, we don't want to step on their toes at all, do we, right? We don't want to make it at all inconvenient for them to produce something which could poison us. We want to just go ahead and give them the green light, says the USDA. And... Um, and the people who have to pay for it in the end are the organic farmers and the consumers. Wow, I don't even, I'm speechless. It's really, it's, it's, it's really devastating when you actually think about it. And I've talked to people who've cried about this, um, you know, on and off for a whole day. And 
then I talked to some of our moms on the, our team about it. And one of them said, you know what, Zen, we don't have a whole day to cry about this. We're moms of kids with autism and autoimmune issues. And we have been puked on and peed on and pooped on <laughs> and woken up 15 times in a night. And we get up and keep going anyway. Like we're, we're built for this. Yeah. So, well, it comes back to the grassroots effort with yeah. the education. It's up to us, the government. And I think we've known this for some time now that yeah. they, the, those organizations, the USDA, the EPA, the FDA, they do not have our back and it's up to us. And I think this is what makes this education so important that we need to share this with people so they can just continue supporting the organic farmers and continue buying organic food. Uh, are there any more points that you want to talk about? No, that's it. And I just want to, yeah, I just want to encourage people to go to momsacrossamerica.org. Um, we will have this, we will have a blog up with these points up shortly. I yeah. just wanted to get a few more things, you know, checked out about it. And we will, you know, we encourage you to start a mom's co-op if you can. We've got a, a page under events and how to start a group to let your, your communities know about where you can purchase local food and, and support local food security. And one other call to action we, we got from Civil Eats actually is a really great article about switching 1% of commodity crops. So if you encourage farmers, especially commodity crops, soy, corn, and sugar and all that, to switch 1% of their acreage to commodity crops, that'll equal 2 million acres of, of land that's switched over to growing mixed vegetables. And it's a thing called chaos gardening. You just grow, just throw out the seeds and grow out, grow all kinds of vegetables in the same you know place. You don't sort it all out. It's all mixed up, and that would create um, two million acres worth of mixed vegetables equals increasing the local food access to mixed vegetables by fifty percent across the nation. Wow! So we could have fifty percent more mixed vegetables growing locally. Um, across the nation, if only one percent of commodity crops were switched over to to um, mixed vegetables, and of course, we would hope that they would grow organically. I truly believe there are always solutions. Yes, and I know this is bad news, and basically, people. It's not a great time to give people bad news. Yeah, everybody, you know, we're living in this crazy world right now, and. But knowledge is power, and the more we educate ourselves about this, the more we can talk intelligently and educate other and take action, but we're not going to take this laying down. No, absolutely not. In fact, if you're home now and you're really only working maybe 50% of the amount of time that you normally would work and you don't have your commute time, right? Yep. You're not commuting right now. Put that time into growing some food. Put yep. that time into watching some videos about how to grow food. There are, you can learn anything. I met, I met a um, wonderful farmer uh, out in your area, Paul Grave, actually, um, is his, his name. And his name is actually Paul Grieve. I'm Grieve. Okay, Paul Grieve. And <laughs> I'm Grave. <laughs> pasture raised, okay, pasture raised chickens. Yeah. And he's got a couple thousand chickens as a, a thriving business. Primal, primal pastures. Primal pastures and young man with young kids. And I said, wow, this, you're doing great here. How did you learn how to do this? Did you go to agriculture school or have a father that, you know, or mother that was a farmer? He said, no, I went to the school of YouTube. <laughs> so, you know, I you totally can agree. Folks. 
Use I, this time that you, do, that you have now to learn a new skill that will have you be more sustainable. Whatever that yeah. is, whether it's canning or fermenting or making your own bread, growing your own food, now is the time to break free of this toxic food system, which has us dependent upon chemical companies, for God's sake, for our food. That doesn't yeah. make sense. It's makes time sense. to break out of that cycle right now and yeah. now's the opportunity. And I, I wanted to let our listeners know, if you haven't seen my show that I did last week, I interviewed Matt Powers. Great. And uh, I just did because I felt like there are so many people right now at home that are starting home gardens or greenhouses. Yes. I So I, Matt is brilliant. And I mm -hmm. said, I'm going to bring it down a few notches. And I just want you to talk about the home gardener and somebody who's creating a greenhouse and they don't know a whole lot. And yes. it was fantastic information. The feedback has been incredible. And you, you talk about a guy with passion. Oh yeah. He, he, <laughs> he's amazing. So, so that watch that one too, because if you're just starting gardening or you just want to learn some tips, if you've been gardening for a while, he's got that information. Absolutely. And back in the days of World War II, uh, we Americans grew, I believe the number is 40% of our own food. And we can do that again. And, uh, you know, it just takes people who are willing to learn something new and get your hands in the dirt. And you know what, we're going to mess up. You know, I killed a whole, a whole tray of, of sprouts because it was too hot one day. We've got to water it for a few days. It's going to happen. But you know what, you can just keep going and get more seeds and Keep, keep trying. So yeah, exactly. Um, use, this, use this time and this information to do something new. Yeah. And then uh, I wanted to let you know too, when you, when you get that blog done, I'll put a link to it, uh, Great. the show page as well, so that people can, you know, we've gone, we've covered a lot of things pretty quickly and some people like to you know, see it written out. So that'll be absolutely we'll do that. And we'll have the links to the actual document if anybody cares to read that. And we're also we've reached out to scientists and experts to get their feedback on, on what this means. And so far, the feedback that I've gotten is, it's as horrible, if not worse, <laughs> than what we're, you know, what we're yeah. reading. Well, we I, ha we I have to imagine. say, I wish I was surprised by all of this, but I'm yeah. really not. But you know. I, I'm, I'm, I'm surprised to see it because once it's in writing, it's real and it, and it eliminates the hope that, that you had that somebody would do something actually responsible and different. And yeah. I'm surprised because of the factor that it just doesn't make common sense, you know, no. to do this doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense. And so I'm surprised that they feel justified to get away with this and are actually putting this out there and are standing behind it and are, and are confident, you know, in their decision. Um, but I'm not surprised that there's corruption and, you know, greed and, and that there's influence um, that's been happening for a long time. So if you're an activist that really, you know, maybe you're already growing your own food or that's not your thing, I don't, I don't know. Um, if you want to get active in, a, in another way, I would ask people to check out Wolfpack, which is Wolf and then PAC. They're working very hard to get money out of politics. And that's something that will, will make a difference in not just this area with, you know, big chemical companies influencing our policymakers, but also, you know, fracking and 
I don't know, right. health, you know, the big pharma and all, big oil and big tobacco and all of these other areas that uh, where our policymakers are being influenced to to make decisions that are based on the corporation's profits, not on our health. And that's that's like the root of the cause here is is that um, our politicians are and policymakers are being influenced by corporations. Yeah. And that needs to change. Profit over people. That's, yes. That's Hit the nail on the head, happened. Carol. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, so thank you uh, for doing this impromptu interview. And we appreciate your continued effort to assist us and keep up the good work. And I plan on doing the same. It's Great. Unstoppable. We are unstoppable together. And that's, Thank you, and, and that's the name of Zen's book too. Yeah. Yes, unstoppable. It's available on Amazon, and I also have a podcast called Unstoppable with Zen Honeycut, available on Spotify and Anchor. I know you're going to catch up to me. You do a lot of those. So. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I've been doing them ten years, and you're. you're I'm at fifty. I had my fiftieth today. So. I know you did. I know. Yes. You did. Well, yes. great. Thanks for Check being on the show, and we'll talk again soon. Thanks, Carol. Take care. Take care, everyone.